Hello, friends, and welcome to part two of my conversation with Alex Johnson. If you missed part one, I definitely recommend giving it a listen. It was one of my favorite episodes so far, and we covered a lot of ground in that one. In part two, we go pretty deep into Alex's training and some of the things that AJ has changed in the past couple of years working with Dr. Tyler Nelson over at Camp for Human Performance. It was super interesting. I'm actually planning on implementing some of the stuff we talked about into my next training block over the winter. We also talked about athletic brewing and the post-send lock-off challenge. In case you missed it, Athletic Brewing is a company that Alex is partnered with that makes non-alcoholic craft beer that tastes amazing. And they are offering you guys 25% off your first order. So check them out at athleticbrewing.com and use the promo code NUGGET25 in all caps at checkout for 25% off of tasty and alcohol-free beer. I mentioned this in the last episode, but I tried their Golden Ale and their IPA after I talked with Alex, and I thought they were both amazing, and I definitely plan on buying more. I put the promo code in the show notes, along with all the usual links and training resources, etc. And as always, you can find the show notes for this episode and every episode at thenuggetclimbing.com. Thank you guys for listening to part one. I got a ton of great feedback, so thank you for that. Please enjoy part two, a deep dive into training with Alex Johnson. I want to circle back to a couple of the the things we alluded to with your training and some of the transitions you've made in working with Tyler and all that sort of stuff. As I was getting ready for this, I re-listened to an interview you did with Neely Quinn on the Training Beta podcast from years ago. I think it was 2015. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And this Long is, time ago. Yeah. This is really great, actually. You mentioned- Maybe 2013, honestly. It might've been. And, and I think you mentioned offhand in that conversation that I think you were living in Vegas at the time and you were sport climbing kind of intermittently, but mostly bouldering. And you joked that you were horrible at sport climbing. I think you said you climbed like 12B at the time. <laughs> and, you know, of course, you were like already climbing double digit boulders, probably up to V12. And that was, <laughs> it made me laugh listening to that because you recently <laughs> climbed uh, Dead Souls. Yes. Which is, you know, 14A, 13D or 14A, depending on who you ask, I guess, uh, in American Fork. So I, I'd love to hear what have been some of the biggest changes you've made in your training or in your approach to sport climbing over the last, you know, five to seven years going from 12B to 14A? I, it's so funny that you bring that up because I feel like up until this past season, I've still sucked at sport climbing and it was like <laughs> this season is when it clicked. And I don't know, Sick. it's like I would put a harness on and just immediately turn into a total doofus. <laughs> like it, it's like the feeling of it on my legs. Like I just like couldn't climb in a harness. I don't know. It was like, I had no power, no strength, no technique. And I would, I was like always really hesitant of the body position I got in in case I fell. 
Because mm. to me, falling on a rope, swinging back in and hitting the wall or falling upside down or like any of that stuff is scarier than falling bouldering. So That's when I fall so bouldering, funny. I know I'm going to hit the ground. Exactly. <laughs> it's so terrifying. You know, like, no matter what, you're going to hit the ground. But on a rope, you're like, oh, my God, am I going to hit Am I going to hit the ground? Am I going to hit the wall? Am I going to flip upside down? But okay. when you're bouldering, you're like – you're 100% certain that when you fall, you will hit the ground. So it's already something you like already know and you have that mindset going into it. Whereas like for me on a rope, I was like, am I going to hit the ground? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anything could happen. <laughs> yeah, totally. Gotcha, and, like, okay. Every time I clipped, I was like checking my knot. Like I was like <laughs> total chicken shit on a rope. And, and it really held back my movement and stuff. And I think like... Honestly, I think a lot of it had to do with climbing with a really consistent partner that I had a ton of confidence in as a belayer in Tim Kempel. Like we, we went out, we were going out four days a week together, like working the same climbs, whether it was bouldering or sport, like us as a unit, like consistent climbing partners was really confidence building for me Hmm. in like some, in a partner or a belayer, which was awesome. And that alongside of like, these new training programs that I do with Tyler where I don't plateau, like combined, it sort of just blossomed. Hmm. I don't even know if that was answering the question that you had. Well, no, that's, that's great. I mean, we can definitely go into more specifics. So you already mentioned actually the, like the 20 move circuits that you do on your 20 degree wall. Mm -hmm. Anything else as far as the, practice or physical preparation Getting better that, at sport. yeah yeah especially you know given that you're confined to a bouldering wall in your garage right now yeah so tyler's mentality or like approach to sport climbing which i i'd never thought of before and it i i basically was like oh duh was the stronger you are the easier the moves are going to feel, the better the holds are going to feel, and the less energy you're going to expend. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the more efficient you're going to feel climbing. Like, you you will become less tired. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, with sport climbing, it was always just, like, endurance, endurance, like, laps on 511. And so, you get this, like, baseline arc fitness. But as soon as you'd have to do a hard move, like, I would immediately get blasted. So, the way that my approach to sport climbing has changed was to get stronger, like along with bouldering or anything. It was just like, duh, like get stronger. The holds will feel better. The moves will feel easier. And therefore I will be able to hold on for longer. And that was sort of like the base of my sort of breakthrough in sport climbing was not just doing like stupid endurance circuits. It was like taking all the strength that I've had for like the two years training inside and all the bouldering outside. And then all of a sudden tying in. And I definitely needed to get like some fitness. Like I was very lacking in the fitness, but like the moves didn't feel hard, which is something that I'd never really experienced on a rope before. And that like built confidence as well. That's really interesting. Cause I mean, e- even back when you had that conversation with Neely, I mean, I think you would climb multiple V12s at that point. Yeah. So you were clearly already really strong. What were the, what were the gaps or the, you know, the chinks in your armor? Like what were the things that you think you needed to address to get to a point where the moves felt easier i almost feel like all of those v12s and 11s that i did in the past could be attributed to like movement huh like being having like a flu a flow or like a fluid movement like i'm i climb with a lot of momentum okay and i i will be the first to admit 
that that is because I'm not that strong. Hmm. Um, a lot of like my style is very flowy and has a lot of momentum. Okay. But because I'm not that strong. And I think a lot of the girls who like climb really hard stuff are really strong. And so my, I guess my biggest attribute is like, I have really great contact strength and that's something I just posted about on my Instagram yesterday. It was going back to this like measurable quantifiable training program. Like I'm, my strength is measured on a scale. Like a, I'll have a, a hold attached to a scale and I like sit, like strap a seatbelt on basically. And I pull as hard as I can. Like a crane scale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, on like a 20 millimeter edge, 10 millimeter edge and a jug. And so that measures like arm strength, 20 mil strength, 10 mil strength. And so my, my arm strength and my finger strength are kind of close together, which. Whoa. Interesting. Tells, right. Which tells you a couple things, not so much anymore since I've been doing this, this training, but initially they were really close together. And so that tells you a couple things like one, my arms need to be way stronger. Hmm. I would say that's probably actually the most important thing. Like if your arms, like the weight that you can pull on a jug and the weight that you could pull on a 20 mil is similar, then you, your arms have to be stronger because mm-hmm. there's no way that you should be able to pull the same thing on an edge that you can on a jug. Mm-hmm. And so that was like one of the first things that I was like, okay, I have really long arms. Like I'm five, nine with a plus three. So I have a six foot ape index. Oh, wow. I cannot cannot do a one-arm pull-up to save my life because my arms are so goddamn long <laughs> this is like something that allison vest and i like joke about all the time like she has a huge wingspan and she's like dude i can't do a one-arm pull-up either but she's also climbed v12 and then recently v13 huh. and so there's like i would attribute my past climbing successes to like movement momentum and contact strength because i i was not strong okay I haven't been strong until recently, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> yeah, this is this is amazing. Um, and then the other interesting thing was that my finger strength is significantly less than most other girls in climbing who have been measured, like had their finger strength measured by Tyler. Wow. So, yeah, my um, my finger strength. I think it breaks down to me being able to pull with two hands like 1.6 times my body weight on and like, I, on like a 20 on mil like edge a 20, yeah and so okay. that's with both hands like i'm both hands i can hold i should be able to do one i'm 1.6 times my body weight so i can hang my body weight plus like whatever six tenths of however much i weigh which i don't know i'm okay. not doing that math right now yeah um and so a lot of other girls that tyler has tested have been like two times their body weight and up to, I think he said Puccio was like 2.7 times her body weight. Jesus Christ. Um, and so I, yeah, my fingers weren't even strong. And so a lot of that I had to work on and like elevate. So all of this climbing in the past has like, I honestly think solely attributed to like movement, momentum and contact strength. So the other thing I learned about this is he tests, rfd which is like rate of force development and that's basically velocity or speed okay with your fingers so my fingers are half as strong as puccio's uh-huh but um they're very fast okay like my engagement is really really quick like i can hit that 1.6 times my body weight in like tenths of a second 
Gotcha. So even though they're not, I don't have the strongest fingers, I have really fast fingers. And so that's, I think, what has been my saving grace as far as competing and climbing outside is like, I can hit and stick and latch. That's the strength of mine. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of what I tried explaining in my story, my Instagram story the other day is like, I'm, I have fast hands. <laughs> <laughs> not very strong, but they're fast. Um, and so this is all stuff that I've been able to learn through working and training with Tyler is like my arms have never been strong because I think because they're so long, like I just use flow to mm-hmm. get through everything. And my fingers are also not that strong. They're just fast. And so those are the two things that I've been like elevating the most Okay. with him is like arm strength and finger strength. And I think now for the last like year, year and a half, I'm finally strong. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Cool. Let's, let's <laughs> and it's obviously like it's relative, like me being like, I'm not strong. This is relative to like, others sure. and who are you know yeah of course not, not like oh i'm not strong it's <laughs> strong comparatively whatever it's relative yeah the, now, these, these are the things that are holding you back exactly okay let's dig into those that's so interesting because you've done it, it sounds like you've done quite a lot of weighted pull-ups in the past and you've done right. quite and a lot of hangboarding in the past no weighted pull-ups right that's exactly. so interesting okay so let's start with the uh, arm strength what are some of the things you, that you've changed or what are staple exercises that you're doing now to train your arm strength with Tyler? So weighted pull-ups as far as strength gains go are moot. Huh. Um, That's quite a statement. Yes, it is. It is. I will back it up. Okay. Um, How often, honestly, do you ever find yourself on the wall or on a climb where your, your hands are at, exactly the same heights and like width apart and you're using both of them equally to pull yourself up Mm -hmm. pretty much never yeah not very often rarely um and so the only time i do weighted pull-ups these days are when i'm training power or velocity and then i'm doing fast weighted pull-ups or like as fat will you like strap weight on as, as fast as you can Okay. And that's training like power and velocity and explosiveness. It's not, I'm not doing it for strength gain. Okay. So just because it's, it's such an uncommon position to find yourself in, in climbing where you're pulling with both arms equally at the same height. It's yeah. So anything that I do for arm strength is all one arm stuff and it's all isometric. And so it's, it looks like a weighted lock off. But um, I'm not trying to just hold the lock off. Like I'm actively trying to pull myself up with one arm. But okay. the weight that I'm holding in my other hand is so precise that it's balanced out perfectly that I like physically cannot pull myself up. Hmm. So there's a difference between holding a lock off and actively trying to pull yourself up. There's like different muscles that are engaged. One is just like stability. You're trying to hold the same position. And the other one is like concentric. Like you're trying to you're physically trying to pull yourself up, but you're balanced with weight to the point that you can't. Okay. That makes and sense. So I'll do this in two different positions. One is 90 degrees and one is 120. And my 90 is okay, but my 120 is really weak because my arms are so long and that's such a hard position. That's like what Allison and I have the hardest time with in trying to do a one-arm pull-up is like the initial from the shoulder up. Like if we both start like a little bit engaged, we could do it. Okay. But because our arms are so long, it's that initial process of the one arm pull up that's so difficult and so that's why i do my like 
isometric pulls. You could say pulls, even though I'm not actually moving at 120 as well. So 120 That's meaning that your arms. your arms closer to being fully extended is just partially engaged. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then that's like way more applicable to climbing movement because so often one arm is like way higher than the other. One hand is higher and you have to like engage one significantly more than the other to pull yourself up or over or whatever direction you're going and climbing. It's not just like two arms, grab bar, pull. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. That, oh my gosh. This is, this is so interesting. So what would a strength... I know, right? It blew my friggin' mind. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm, and then I've, I've never done a weighted pull up for strength ever again. Huh. It's all at this point for like power and velocity. What would a strength focus session look like for those? I, I want to call them lock offs, but these isometric pulls. Um, I started out doing them with my feet on the ground because I wasn't, my arms weren't strong enough to even like hold the lock off. Like I would get up into a 90 degree lock off and, and sort of my arm would just like, no, or like peter out, peter out the straight. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, this isn't working. So I was doing them with my feet on the ground on a bar or like maybe I would put like a weight plate on my lap or something. Okay. So like 90 degrees and 120 again. And you're like standing with your feet planted on the ground or sitting like whatever angle. And you're just like trying to rip the bar down. Okay. So it's like five seconds of like max effort. Like you're blacking out at the end of it because you're trying so hard, but it's, you're training that movement. Like you're training, like trying to actively pull up Okay. when you can't. Five seconds. Okay. So that's how I started. Like I was doing that for months and then I finally was able to start doing like holds and then I would add like two pounds and then five pounds and gradually go up from there where I'm, I think the, when I did them two days ago, I was holding like a 12 pound dumbbell Okay. for my nineties and a seven or eight pound at my one twenty. And how many sets of each angle will you do in a session? Five. Okay. So five per arm per angle. Do you alternate angles back and forth or do you do all your nineties and then all your one twenties? Yeah, I do all 90 and I start with my left arm because my left arm is my weaker arm. Okay. And so I want it to be a little fresher. So I'll do like left arm rest, maybe 10 seconds and then do right arm and then rest for a minute. Okay. And left, right up five sets of that. And then I'll rest for like five, 10 minutes and then go to one twenties. Okay. Same thing, starting with the left arm and then that's arm strength. How many days per week will you do that? Once, maybe, oh, wow. maybe twice Okay. because it's, it's, um, it's so max effort for me yeah. that it's always, I always have to do it after a rest day or two. Okay. And I'm, I always want to one max out doing it and two give a hundred percent doing it. And so if I do do that, like I'm kind of wrecked hmm. and because you want to do it fresh every time, then there's like four or five other days of workouts to do before giving yourself like a day or two off before this workout. Like it's my training has gotten so much more specified that it takes like significantly less time. Okay. And I can do like significantly less of it to still see gains. Like I'm not going, I'm not doing two a days. I'm not doing four hour sessions. Like I'm not getting blasted because everything is honed in to be so precise. But I can go do an hour and a half workout and be like completely wrecked because it's all based on like 100% effort or nothing. Hmm. Because if you're doing, if you're half-assing your workout or even like 
if you're 95% assing your workout, <laughs> you're only going to get 95% out of it when you go to try your hardest. Hmm. Like it has to be a hundred percent or nothing. And that was like a mentality that I had to get in for myself was like, if I'm not able to do a hundred percent, whether it's physical or it's mental, then I stop, which can sound controversial, like push through it, like power through it, just finish. If it were like a power endurance workout, maybe, but for strength gains, like that's not the point. It has to be like a hundred percent or nothing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like I will continue to plateau. And if I'm only able to do like, if my head's not in it or my body feels off and I'm not able to do that, then I will do something else or not do anything at all. And how do you fit this strength stuff around climbing in practice? Is it in the same day? Uh, it can be in the same day. Yeah. I'll do, um, this day I will run you through like my, this, this day, like strength Perfect. day is on the wall or on the board. Once you're warmed up an hour, like 45 minutes to an hour of limit moves, okay. which we talked about earlier, which is like max effort one to three, like you're trying as hard as you can, screaming, grunting, falling, 10, 15 minute rest. And then I do these hangs, like max weighted hangs and then 10, 15 minutes rest. And then like max finger hangs. And then that's it. it it's basically like everything is done within two hours. But because it all is 100% max effort, like, then I'm wrecked. Okay. It's just, like, high high volume, low reps instead of, like, going to the gym and, and doing, like, a shitload of weighted pull-ups or something where it's, like, sorry, that's not what I meant. Um, high weight, low volume. Okay. Instead of going and doing, like, high volume, low weight, which is another way to get really tired, but you're not gaining anything. Sure. Yeah. Except you're just getting tired. Okay, so we've covered the arm strength. What about the finger strength? What do you what have you changed as far as that goes? Um, I have never been doing like I never really did max weighted finger hangs. Okay. And whenever I did, I was always guessing at what my max weight was. And so now that I know, it's significantly more than I thought it was. Which is cool. Your max is a, is significantly more than you thought? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'd always hung like 30, maybe 50 pounds. Okay. And so on a 20 mil, I'm up to 85. And on a 10, I'm up to 70. Oh, dude. <laughs> nice. That, yeah. Isn't that cool? Like I was 30 pounds light on my max hang. So that's why I was like plateauing and not making any gains. Cause I was like, yeah, I can hang 30 pounds for five seconds, like for five sets. And it was like, or if I try harder, <laughs> <laughs> I can hang 85 pounds for five seconds for five reps. Okay. So is it is it kind of what people would think of as far as like traditional max hangs? You're just doing two arm hangs with a ton of weight, five seconds, mm-hmm. five sets of that? Five seconds on, a minute off, times five. That's one set. Okay. And I'll rest five or ten minutes. And that's on the 20 mils. I'll rest five or ten minutes. Repeat that set again rest five or 10 minutes and then drop it down to the 10 mil. And I sometimes full crimp when I do 10 mil, because I feel like even though there's a higher risk for injury and I know it's like kind of controversial, I feel like if I don't train my full crimp, I lose it totally because there's different um, hand positions. It's like training. I It's completely different. Yeah. It's like bicep curls versus doing like push press. Like I'm doing open hand or I'm training crimp and they're, they're totally different positions. So I have to, I full crimp on my 10 sometimes. Okay. 
so yeah, I was going to ask that next. So what are the what are the hand positions for the twenty mil? Uh just like half crimp or fifty fifty. Okay, and you said you do two rounds of five hangs. Yep. Okay, and then when you do full crimp on the ten mil, so it sounds like you either do half crimp or full crimp, or did you say open and full crimp? Um, I'll do half crimp or full crimp, and when I do full crimp, I never put my thumb on my finger. Uh huh. To avoid like the shock load of it, but I have the um the tension and like power company power strips and I have them hanging under my hangboard and so I'm able to put my thumb like up and on the crimp without like bearing down on my pointer finger. Okay. If that makes sense. Okay. Like I'm still able to get in the, the position of a crimp without doing like full weight bearing on like thumb on top. Gotcha. Okay. I'll link to those products for people so they can visualize that. Cool. Um, do you use the same amount of weight with your full crimp? Yes. Okay. Whether I'm doing like full crimp or half crimp on the 10 mils. Yeah, I do the same amount of weight. I can do, if I full crimp, I can do more just because it's a stronger position. But, um, I try not to do full crimp that often unless I do really feel like I'm starting to lose it. Gotcha. Last question about the finger stuff. I know Tyler talks a lot about these different kind of modalities of finger training. Like we need to do these max hangs for recruitment, but then he also talks a lot of, a lot about longer like density hangs for tendon density. Mm-hmm. Is he having you do anything like that? Yeah, I do some of that, but I think a lot of like my tendon density comes with just like climbing a lot and experience. Okay. Just time. Um, so what I'll do that, but pretty minimally. And what I do the most of aside from just like slow onset, max strength weighted finger hangs is fast twitch recruitment. So like activating contact strength and trying to speed that up. And that can either be done in an RFD pull, like an isometric sort of RFD pull one handed where your hand is on like a 20 millimeter edge, your feet are on the ground and you're just like, doing an explosive movement, like trying to rip the hangboard off the wall. You're not pulling up. Nothing's really moving or moving. You're just like trying to train explosiveness in your fingers. I'll uh, I'll link to a short video of speed pulls that Tyler posted for people so they can visualize this one too. Yeah. That'll be really helpful because I feel like I'm botching the explanation. Um, (laughs) Well, it's it's hard. It's hard to describe. So yeah. yeah. And then once that, you're like an expert in that you can graduate to like what I put in my Instagram story the other day, which is, um, I don't know what Tyler calls them. Kyra calls them snatches, which I feel a little weird about, but it's basically like same, um, tension, uh, power strips up on a hangboard and you jump off the ground to, if you have like not a hangboard, sorry, a campus board. So if you have a normal campus board, you're standing on the ground, you jump as high as you can and, catch like the highest rung you can and the smallest rung you can okay and that's like a really easy way to train fast switch engagement and contact strength and so even if you have to start out doing these on like jugs or the largest size campus rung like they're still super beneficial for training that fast switch Hmm. um and so i started like on a medium rung jump off the like you, you can even do like a step like into it jump as high as you can catch the highest rung you can hold for three seconds and then drop. And so I went from like a medium rung to a small rung to a 15 millimeter 
power strip. Now I'm on to like a 10 millimeter power strip. Okay. And that's, it's super minimal. It's not, you're not going to get tired doing it and you should always be fresh doing it and have like rest ample time between jumps, maybe up to two minutes. Um, but I'll do like 15 jumps and then that's it. It's just sort of taking all the like slow onset strength recruitment that you get doing weighted finger hangs and then training your fingers to use that in okay. quick succession. Would you do that sort of thing on the same day as a strength day or a separate day? No, separate day. Okay. Gotcha. Um, sometimes the next day, but even then my fingers are too tired to like really get the benefit of like the speed gains from it. So I'll even do those. Like if I do my strength workout on a Monday, I'll do all my like RFD and power training on a Thursday or something. Okay. And then try to rest Sunday and Wednesday. Okay. And then climb outside on the other days? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thank you so much for all that. Really, yeah. <laughs> really fun to geek out about that. So uh -huh. it's interesting to hear you talk about your lock-off strength. I would love to hear about athletic brewing and <laughs> what is the post-send challenge? <laughs> um, athletic is a non-alcoholic beer company that I am partnered with, which has been super, super awesome because when I was living in Vegas, I was doing a lot of misbehaving <laughs> and it uh, <laughs> really took a toll on my performance and huh. my training, probably my performance due to my training due to the misbehaving. Um, and so when I came back to comps and was like, I'm going to start training for the Olympics, but I have to take it seriously, like all in or nothing. I stopped drinking hmm. like completely um, because it's like when I'm training, I'll feel the effects of alcohol for like the whole week. Like if I drink on a Saturday, I feel like shit until Thursday and then it's thirsty Thursday again. And then it's the weekend and then everything starts <laughs> all over. So I was like, I can't, I, it's all like, I can't, it's all or nothing. Hmm. I completely cut drinking, but like, I still enjoy the taste of beer, you know? So it was like training, not drinking, but still like, I want to come home and make like a fat salmon salad and like have a beer and like watch a movie. But I was trying all these non-alcoholic beers that just tasted like water, like, but like kind of like metallic, like metallic water. Mm. <laughs> um, and then Bree and I like totally stumbled upon athletic. And I, I think it was online cause they don't sell it in Utah. They're finally starting to distribute around the country, which is awesome. Oh, nice. But we can get it shipped because it's, not alcoholic, but otherwise in Utah, you cannot get alcohol. Like you can't order it. And oh, get it yeah. Huh. Okay. Um, <laughs> so they brew craft beer with like just normal standard craft beer. And then after it's done, they remove the alcohol from it. They, it's like, I don't know how yeah. I'm a nerd, but this is not my nerd. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Nor like normal standard beer tasting, like IPAs, hops, all this. It's like beer. And then they take the alcohol out after. And so it's been an awesome way to still like one feel cool. Like you're drinking a beer after a session <laughs> when everyone else is like, yeah, I need beer. You're just like, yeah, I'm me too. But <laughs> my back can make me feel like shit after. And then two, have the taste of beer. Three, like get the, carbo caloric intake back kind of after like a brutal session like liquid carbs are sort of like the fastest and easiest way to replenish after like a super big session and then 
the post send beer challenge is you go out and you send your project and then you come home and you try to hold a lock off and chug a beer. <laughs> I have people keep commenting on this video and they're like, this doesn't look that hard. And I like, I'm like biting back and I'm just like, well, you try then. Like yeah. you couldn't, I'm like snapping back a little bit because chugging a beer isn't that hard. And for someone who's like, climbing or strong holding a lock off probably also is not that hard but trying to chug a beer while holding a lock off you don't realize how much you like you're not breathing when you're chugging <laughs> like you're focusing so much on chugging that i don't know it's hard it's harder than people think and so i believe it i mean it's a long <laughs> uh, even someone who's fast at chugging beer that's a long lock off still and that's that long that you're not breathing and not getting oxygen into the arm that's holding lock off. Like it's not as easy as it. People keep commenting on that story. Well, this doesn't look that hard. Oh, you two-time World Cup gold medalist, you can't hold a lock off and chug a beer. Like fuck off. It's hard. Oh, Plus, like after going out and climbing B12, like yeah, it, this isn't like I didn't take a rest day and then try the beer lock off challenge. Like I did the beer lock off challenge because I sent B12. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it. Give me shit. <laughs> well, was that celebrating the muffler? It was. Awesome. And it sounds yeah. like there's a video for that one coming soon? Yes. <clears throat> I think so. I don't okay. have it. Um, Jimmy Jimmy Webb and Hannah Donnelly have it on their camera. And I think Jimmy talked about wanting to put it up on Mellow Climbing, like on oh, their sweet. Instagram. So. Okay. Perfect. I'll keep my eye out for that and uh, yeah. I'll, link it, I'll link it to the show notes when it comes out. And I'll definitely like post about it or if they don't end up putting it on Mellow, then I'll, I'll probably grab it and post it. But um, yeah, it was cool. It was really cool to like feel that again. Awesome. I don't think I've climbed V12 since 2015. Oh, no so, kidding. Yeah, it had been a minute. <laughs> so like popping one out it was so confidence inspiring like going into this season when i want to go back to the swarm you know it was like crimpy v12 yes i was like perfect Crimp yes okay we're on track yes ah i love it that gets me so psyched congratulations <laughs> so you're planning on going back to the swarm this winter then um yeah we're thinking like bishop 2021 Amazing. january february maybe it all kind of depends on like covid and scheduling and fitness okay cool i will be excited to follow you and i'll be rooting for you when you go back out there thanks <clears throat> what about highballs i know that's something that you've done a lot of in the past how do you think about highballs these days is that still a part of your climbing very very differently i was just talking to like mac zolotukin about this because he'd done he's like done highballs in the past too and been like notorious for doing both of us have done like tall hard stuff and then we just had a conversation a couple of days ago. It was like, are, are you really doing highballs anymore? No. Are you? No. <laughs> it, um, I don't know. Then it was like, so such a cool feeling like that boldness and having like that sort of like focus and that feeling. But these days, even that focus and the feeling that you get when you do something like super tall and bold like that feels a little less worth it. Hmm. Do you think just because it's been they've been done so many times now at this point or no i think just like less worth it personally like okay. if you did get hurt like <clears throat> then it was like oh man like i could get hurt but if i don't 
I get this feeling or I get this, I, I don't know. You were like, it was so badass and chasing, chasing like that focus that I sort of talked about in the beginning. That's like the blackout focus that like I get in comps or sometimes like sending my hardest thing. Like I would get it doing highballs. And so it was like that sort of like blackout Zen experience that I was chasing with highballs too. And I feel like the feeling of it being less worth it now is, it's like, oh, I could get that feeling, but I could get hurt. And then I wouldn't be able to climb at all. And so I'd be missed. Like I would never get that feeling. Hmm. And I'm trying to achieve that a little more with like harder stuff, but a little closer to the ground. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That, that totally makes sense. Amazing. Alex, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today. This has been so much fun. I've been really looking forward to talking to you for a long time, and I'm really glad that it that it finally worked out. You finally got to schedule. I feel like <laughs> You're busy. Talking about this like last fall. What's that? I was like, yeah, totally. And then this was like six months ago or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's you've got a lot of demands on your time, so it's it totally makes sense. No problem at all. Um, it's easy for me if someone's like this day this time be there i'm like okay okay i think if it's like on me to schedule it i'm like yeah sure totally whenever Mm. yeah sure it's like all people are like hey can you i'm like yeah sure totally whenever and then it never happens but someone's like hey here's a this is what time and what day be there and i'm like all right i will cool good to know (laughs) i will tuck that away in my back pocket for for around two sometime next year awesome um, I asked you, I sent you a list of questions when we were getting ready to do this. And I asked you if there's anything that you've been thinking about that feels particularly important. And I'd love to just in wrapping up, I'd love to see if you have, if, if you thought of anything with that and maybe an extension to that is, um, if there's anything that you'd want to say to your kids back in Minneapolis and other kids out there that are trying to stay psyched right now, maybe not being able to climb with their team on their you know, at their normal gym because of COVID or whatever it may be. And, and they're just psyched on doing whatever they can to continue getting better at climbing. I think for them, like, I know it seems like when you're that age that everything is sort of like the, the end of the world or every day is the most important day. But as far as like not being able to train or climb as much as you, you wanted to, like, there's still so much time ahead of you and what you, what you lose in this forced time off due to COVID is not something that cannot be made back like twofold. So that like, just be patient and not, not get frustrated and not like lose hope on that. Hmm. And then I think as far as like (laughs) what's been on the forefront of everyone else's mind lately with (laughs) civil unrest and election stuff, um, never be afraid to stand up for what you believe in, I think is, is a huge lesson that I've learned in all of this recent enlightenment that I've had on several different topics. Don't like, I don't know, don't hold yourself back or don't censor yourself to like standing up for what's right or speaking up for what's right. Even if you think you're going to maybe lose a friend or, lose fans or followers like that stuff doesn't matter but like standing up for what's right does matter Hmm. and i think being on the right side of history right now is going to be really important and really prevalent and like showcase who people really are 
And that's something that I've been like seeing, like witnessing a lot and struggling with, with family members, etc. Don't refrain from like speaking up for what you believe in or what's right. Especially from like a position of privilege. Like even well, like LGBTQ, we're not like exempt from like our seat at the white privilege. Like I'm white. Hmm. Even if I'm in the queer community, like I'm still white and I'm that's still like a position of privilege. And that's something that has been really interesting for me to learn as well. <laughs> like just because I'm in the queer community doesn't make me exempt from like my white privilege. Hmm. Not to get like heavy at the ending here. no that's that's um an incredibly important message and thanks so much for sharing that yeah i'm still learning for sure yeah i think we all are (laughs) i think we all are right now for sure and i think we all will be for totally quite some time yeah but anyway yeah thank you so much for having me (laughs) (laughs) my pleasure absolutely this has been awesome I always learn so much more about myself when I talk about myself. <laughs> really? Okay. That's I, cool. I guess. Yeah. It sounds weird, but sometimes I like catch myself saying stuff out loud that I'm like, Oh, Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. In the flow of conversation and I'm like saying stuff that's relevant and all of a sudden something comes out and I'm like, Whoa. Yeah. I didn't know. I know I thought that way. But <laughs> I do. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so cool. What's in store for the rest of the day? I'm not sure. Nice. Definitely a rest day. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Snow's melting, so maybe we'll go take the dogs on a hike or something. Nice. Go yeah. get go get some more content for Mr. Golden Sun. Totally. Never ending. <laughs> that dog is never ending content. <laughs> <laughs> Such a riot. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thanks again, Alex. Really appreciate your time. And uh, I'll I'll touch base with you soon. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. See you later. Bye. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. A couple quick things before you go. I'm planning on taking the next couple of Mondays off giving myself a little vacation over the holidays. I'm planning a short and fun little thing to share with you guys for Christmas, so look out for that, but this will be the last full-length episode for 2020. Just giving myself a little time to recharge a bit from a busy year, but I have a bunch of episodes recorded and more interviews scheduled, and I will be back in 2021 with new episodes every Monday. I keep a list of people that I would love to have on the show, and I was looking at it today, and I noticed that it is longer than it was when I started, which is awesome. So not running out of interesting people to talk to anytime soon. If you want to try out Athletic Brewing, you can find a link to their products and a promo code in the show notes. They also sell digital gift cards. If you are starting to think about Christmas shopping, a six-pack of tasty non-alcoholic beer or a digital gift card could be a great gift. I'm not getting anything out of this, by the way. I'm just really impressed with this company and figured some of you guys might be just as excited about it. They're super good. So check them out. 
Leave a review for the podcast if you haven't already. Tell your friends. Share your favorite episodes. It all helps. I really appreciate it. And as always, thank you so much for listening.